Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. On what was his night in Houston offensively, he finishes off the game with a sparkling defensive play to get the man who replaced him. Nothing better this time of year than a a game-clinching call. In this case, the clinching calls came from Joe Davis. That would have been the Rangers' call over the Orioles and Adam Amin in the Twins beating the Astros. So there you go. What a way to start the day. Speaking of what a way to start the day, go to at BB isn't boring, Twitter account, Instagram account, producer Evan doing an awesome job there throughout the postseason, giving you the what's what and entertaining all along the way. Also, speaking of entertaining, at FanDuel.com slash boring. FanDuel.com slash boring. I'm not going to say that our guy Pap won a lot of money this weekend, but our guy Pap won a, lot, won a lot of money this weekend. And as I tweeted out or as I X'd out, whatever you want to call it, the somebody sent me a parlay, which goes off of my predictions for the for this round of postseason games. All the games for 50 bucks, that person can make almost 900 bucks. There you go. Betting isn't boring. What also isn't boring is the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are on a heater. They have won now four in a row in the postseason. They've won the first two games against the Orioles in Baltimore. Great crowd in Baltimore. We're going to have our own friends, Eric Arditi, on to break that down. Uh, Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, to talk a little bit about how that feeling was at Camden Yards, but the feeling in Texas is good right now. And we kind of got this this vibe coming off the race series where they were just slugging all over the place and they had just enough pitching. You had Jordan Montgomery, you had Nathan Avaldi. And in this case, it seems like now they have a little bit of a bullpen as well. So we wanted to talk to our great friend, CJ Nikowski. CJ has been on the podcast, the Baseballs and Boring podcast, 
earlier in the year where we proclaimed that the Texas Rangers actually were going to be a contender. They were going to be a good team. That was back in January, I think. Let it be said, let it be done. CJ's back. And there's no better person to break down all that's going on with the Texas Rangers, how they feel about things, heading into what could be the clinching game on Tuesday in Texas. Very exciting. This is a this is a really unique team, an exciting team. We've also had on Tim Hire as a hitting coach, so we have some some uh, people in the fight here. Baseballs and boring is represented in Texas, and for good reason because baseball is not boring with the Texas Rangers right now. They are rolling, but you know what? Never say die with the Orioles. I think everybody is sort of okay. All right, Rangers are good. But you can't you can't quite discount the fairy tale Cinderella Baltimore Orioles quite yet. We get that, we get that. But in the meantime, this is all about the Texas Rangers. The Rangers, how good are they? Can they clinch this? Also, we should also note they might be playing the Minnesota Twins if they do clinch it. Twins even things up against the Houston Astros one one. We'll get to them. All as this week unfolds. But in the meantime, it's going to be C.J. Nikowski talking Texas Rangers. Good stuff. All right, there's nobody I would want, rather talk to at this moment than C.J. Nikowski. The the straw that stirs a drink when it comes to the Red Sox. I'm, oh. The straw that stirs a drink when it comes to the Rangers, the Rangers broadcast. I'm no Loomer Loney. Ah, uh, listen, you're, you're all great. You're all great in my book. <laughs> you all could claim something that I can't, which is actually playing Major League Baseball. Mm. Um, but uh, loud outs on MLB Network Radio. And I, I'm going to screw up the name of the podcast, even though it's the best name podcast <laughs> in the business. Negative War. No, Negative Yeah, vi- yeah Negative right. War. Negative mm-hmm. War, Positive Vibes. That's right. right? Okay. Ryan Spielborgs came up with that. And Spill, we joke around because uh, I'm a negative 1.0 war player in my career, and he is a negative 0.5. <laughs> so I was like, let's do it. Yeah, you know, he's he's our creative of our group for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, this is now we have had both hosts on. Uh well, actually, we before that, because when we get Spilly on, that completed the cycle because you were yeah. on this podcast early, early, early. That's right. Make uh, him and, second, please. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And and by the way, CJ. I think it was at that time you convinced me that the Rangers were going to be good. I let it be said, let it be done mm. back in January, whenever it was, I believed I, I don't know if you believed, but I believed. Yeah. Um, so looking back at it, what are the things when they're, as everyone knows by now, they're up two zero in the ALDS on the Baltimore Orioles. And we're going to get to that in a second, but what looking back at it, what are the things that, surprised you about this team as we sit here and you said okay this is how it could work and I sort of saw that coming well I'll tell you this to be perfectly honest it hasn't gone according to plan at least to some degree right Jacob deGrom only made six starts Uh, but what happened is Dane Dunning stepped in and Dane Dunning's been better than we've ever seen him and while that might not be the biggest name that the average baseball fan recognizes when it comes to the Texas Rangers it's been things like that like guys filling in at times. We know the big names that are there. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, uh, Dolis Garcia really has uh, emerged. Josh Young is having was having a rookie of the year. 
type of year. Unfortunately, he got injured and Gunnar Henderson uh, likely is going to win it in the American League. Uh, but a lot of things like that. Leone Tavares, better than probably expected. I will tell you, the bullpen has not been nearly as good uh, as expected. They're pitching really well right now in the postseason, and that certainly matters, and that's really important. Uh, but there was a period in there where there was some real concern about the bullpen. And I don't remember exactly what we talked about regarding the bullpen at the time, but one of the things I would have told you was Jonathan Hernandez, Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, guys coming back there are going to be a big part of this. Hernandez, unfortunately, had a really rough year, went down to the minor leagues for a little while, came back, did well, and has since been hurt. Jose LeClerc was really up and down. He's pitching great now. He's the most trusted arm, but it hasn't been like that for six months. And Brock Burke, while and the numbers are okay for him, uh, he's not repeating what he did a year ago, and he's letting up a lot of home runs. And so there was a big step back in the bullpen that became a real concern. The things that were better than expected – were the offense, especially early on for four and a half months of the season, but specifically the first two. They were hitting like 330 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> there was no way that was going to hold as a yeah. team. I mean, we saw, I think, 10 position players in the first couple of months pitching against the Rangers, <laughs> all that better than expected. Um, and again, figured that probably wouldn't hold. So it didn't go exactly the way that certainly Chris Young laid it out. And I think fans looking at the roster and for us analyzing this team expected, uh, but they figured out a way, even when they had that really bad run, they went four and 16 starting in the middle of August. That's pretty much the worst time uh, to do it for a 20 game stretch. And they still had a chance to win the division on the last day of the season. Couldn't pull it off. Nobody cares anymore. They're in the postseason and they're playing well. Okay. So we excellent points. And so now we, 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 we got your take on whatever it was January, how it felt. Now I'm going to go to August 2nd. <laughs> how it felt then because because this was the of all the teams at the trade deadline they're near the top of the list if not at the top of the list in terms of shock and awe we're going for it we're doing whatever it takes chris young uh at the helm um scherzer jordan montgomery uh before that Araldus chapman and uh so august 2nd how did you feel about this team heading in where were, were you like okay here we go here we go. They're in position. Or were you like, oh, this is this is kind of risky? Certainly risky, but not my money. So not too concerned about necessarily <laughs> the financial side of it. And you love seeing big names, right? Dave Dombrowski, I think, is the guy we always think about when he talks about having great players, big, big time players, uh, big names, right? That's what wins you championships. Yeah, it could be a little bit messy, uh, potentially on the back end. Certainly Red Sox fans are familiar with that, even when they won, um, you know, certainly the first time in 04. But after Theo left, right, there was a mess that was left behind. Uh, that is the chance you take. If you win, uh, nobody cares. And so I think in the case of Chris Young, they've already were all in the last couple of years, going back to the half a billion that they spent on Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. And so you don't slow that down. You continue to go for it. And hopefully the Rangers can get that ring uh, that they have been searching for. But I will tell you, I think at the time, I thought a little short still on the bullpen, mm -hmm. although Chapman had been there for a while and was really doing a nice job. I know it was a couple of bumps in the road since then. But the whole Max Scherzer thing was fascinating because you looked at his overall year. Okay, this is not the same Max Scherzer. But if you start digging in and looking kind of how he was pitching leading up to the deadline uh, there were some big adjustments on his slider that he had made and he started to look like uh, the old Max Scherzer and I think Jordan Montgomery quite honestly kind of underrated right the New York Yankees trading him away last year to the St. Louis Cardinals because they did not envision him making postseason starts he may be the most important piece they picked up I think of the three safe to say right now with Chapman just being okay and Max Scherzer hurt uh, but down the stretch he was the most important Ranger starter right Nate Evaldi I know you and I have talked a lot about uh, went on the IL and came back and hadn't quite been the same. Now his last postseason start was really good, mm -hmm. but leading up to that, 
Jordan Montgomery, far and away the best starter that the Rangers had. He went on a really nice run over his last, I believe, four or five starts in the regular season. His first one in the postseason uh, was great. Not fantastic in his second one in game two of the DS against the Orioles, but the bullpen picked him up, which I know is something we haven't talked about. It hasn't happened a lot uh, this year. But Montgomery's been a fascinating guy, uh, quite honestly, uh, to see up close, to see the good curveball, the two-seam fastball, the changeup. Really no fear at all. He's got a bulldog mentality. And don't forget also John Gray went down. Mm -hmm. And so, again, all the focus on Jordan Montgomery. And I keep saying it seems like every couple of weeks he just keeps making himself more and more money this offseason. He's impressive. Think about that. John Gray, you have Max Scherzer, and you have uh, Jacob deGrom. All all not pitching. And Odorizzi. Odorizzi never saw uh, an inning with the Rangers. But when they traded for him in the offseason, it was here's our depth piece. Here's our sixth starter. And he got hurt in spring training, and we never saw him. And so he did put Dane Dunning and, and of course, Andrew Heaney came over as well this offseason, had mentioned him, and they put him in the bullpen, and now they're kind of doing these shorter starts with him. Uh, he's been really impactful. Martin Perez couldn't repeat what he did last year, right? It was a career year for him. He ended up in the bullpen, and and these guys could have pouted about it. You know, Andrew Heaney and Martin Perez in particular, veterans who have been around and going into the bullpen and thinking, this is not what I signed up for, right? Martin Perez took the qualifying offer. What was it, 19 and a half this year? Yeah. So making yeah. nearly $20 million, and they put him in the bullpen, of course, his original organization. He didn't say boo. He just went about and did his job. He knew. He's like, yeah, I'm not really a reliever, but I'll give you everything I have. And there were some times that he had pitched some really important games coming out of the bullpen. So now we'll continue the fun game, and I'm going to go to the end of the year, where these we had these three teams that were playing, taking turns and saying, like, how can we – sort of piss us away you know, at the end of the year, right? <laughs> yeah. Seattle and, and, and Texas and Houston. Um, so as it sort of got toward the end, did you feel like, all right, there's enough, they've landed in a spot where there's enough to A, make the playoffs and B, do okay in the playoffs? I think it's probably a fair assessment. I, I figured they were going to make it. I know for a while there it was certainly touch and go. A three-way tie was a real possibility. And in a three-way tie, the Rangers were out, assuming Toronto held on and had enough wins to be a wild card. So that that scenario was actually really scary as much as we kind of root for that cast. We don't play those games anymore, right? It's tiebreakers. <laughs> and so none of nobody in Texas was rooting for that at all. Now, selfishly, we're like, all right, how can we work this out where uh, the Rangers win the division, the Mariners are the wild card, and the Astros have to go home, right? That's a Texas Ranger fan dream. Uh, we just don't want to see the Astros are too good. They've been too dominant. You can just get them home. That would be fantastic. Then it just came about, you know what? We got to figure out a way to make sure this team gets into um, the postseason, survive, find a way. Uh, and they did. And it wasn't pretty down the stretch, right? Losing three out of four in that last four game series against the Seattle Mariners, only scoring two runs in the three losses. Uh, that's the part that got a little bit scary. And when the postseason started, Jared Sandler, great radio guy, you know, fills in yep. and does pre and post. I know you know him. And he's like, what do you think the biggest key is? I said, the bats, man, because when this team is going well, yeah, there's some pitching questions, but they can kind of make those go away when they score a lot of runs, uh, which they did a really nice job of and have so far uh, this postseason. So it's starting to feel like we're back in April and May with this team where the offense is clicking, but it did not feel like that at all at the very end of the season. Uh, Of course, they clinched a postseason spot on the second to last day of the season, the one game that they won in Seattle. And then you go into the very next day was still a chance to uh, win the division. George Kirby on the mound and they got shut out one nothing. And that was really discouraging. And they showed up to play. And for whatever it's worth, I know a lot of it was made about celebrating and nonsense. They hardly did anything. It was a quick toast. Off we go. All right, get to bed. We got we business tomorrow. A lot of that was really uh, blown out of proportion by people that weren't there. 
of course, they took that seriously. They just got stopped by a really good pitcher. George Kirby's good. Yeah. And the bullpen there, and they used their secondary guys, and they were still really good. Like They run deep in Seattle, and they would have been a dangerous team in the postseason. But uh, fortunately, I think for the Rangers, they didn't make it, and for everybody else, quite honestly, um, in the American League. So there was some concern, definitely concern uh, leading into uh, the postseason. But I also felt like as soon as they won that first one against the Rays and they got to Tyler Glass now and he couldn't throw strikes and, and they win that one, all of those feelings are gone. Like they're completely forgotten. Like yeah. it was like, you know, white knuckle ride down for the last <laughs> few games of the year. And then you beat Tampa game one. You're like, nope, none of that. That is all gone. And it's in the past and just forget about it. I, you hit the nail on the head. It does, it like, it does feel like it spun back to April and May. And, and I think the perception of that race series was exactly that. Oh, remember, this is a team that hits the crap out of the ball and has yeah. enough, have enough, has enough pitching. And, and when they're hitting the crap out of the ball, okay, you did it against the Rays. There you go. Now they do it against Baltimore. And now the only question is, do you have enough pitching? But now you've landed, you know, and I know Montgomery was oh, whatever today when, as we yeah. tape this. But still, you have Montgomery. There's, I don't care what Evaldi has. Like, that's the guy you want on the mound in the big spot. I'll still mm-hmm. say that. Um, and you have enough. And, and you have LeClerc at the end. You have Chapman there. You have some other guys who are stepping up. Bradford, God bless him, you know. Uh, he's, he's, he, he stepped up. So you have guys stepping up and it seems like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the team that you have right now, it just seems like this is potentially the best offensive team left. And, you know, we'll see what the Braves do obviously, mm-hmm. but this is the best, the, let's say the hottest offensive team right now. And you have, you've landed with enough pitching. That's how it yeah. feels right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if Boach will feel that way, right? When you're sitting there managing that team, I agree with you, but there's something about feeling like you never have enough pitching, yeah. right? Because especially we saw today, Bradford was great in game two. LeClerc lets up a home run, it gets a little bit closer, he bounces back really nicely. They haven't, I don't want to say overexposed because it sounds bad, but they haven't had to go too deep. You know, Will Smith came in and got one out and struck out a lefty in a really big spot in game one. He was so important to this team. The first couple of months, he was a first week of March signing this year. I want to say for about 1.5, if I'm not mistaken. And he dealt. And that slider was really good. This is a guy who couldn't pitch in the postseason, right, for the Astros. And not a guy that was used very often. And he was like the savior of the pen for a while. Uh, that one out that he got, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, we have our little chat among the broadcasters. And we were white knuckled again. Because we hadn't seen him in a while. And we know how good he had been, but he hadn't yeah. pitched yet in the postseason. Like, oh, man, if he doesn't get the lefty out, will he have to face a righty? Because that's been the much bigger issue uh, for him. And then, of course, you know, you can be happier for him to see him come through and get that punch out again because he has been – they're not here without him. The, the beginning yeah. of the season is not going nearly as well for the bullpen if it wasn't for um, Will Smith. So, I, you know, I – I would like to tell you that I feel like they have enough pitching, but I, you know, you're always worried about it, right? Especially again with guys that are on the IL. Now we did again see the really good version of Nate Valdi. That's encouraging, and Max Scherzer, who was like superhuman even at 39 years old with this Terrace Major injury, is out there throwing bullpens. He's facing live hitters, like he's trying to come back. Now I think he comes back if at all as a two or three inning guy, probably Max. Yeah. Uh, sorry for the bad pun, uh, <laughs> but however you use him. Uh, But that's also just another little storyline here that if you can figure out a way. The thing that's nuts, Rob, think of two guys that are active right now for the Rangers in the bullpen, Matt Bush 
who yeah. has not pitched for the Rangers this year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like he was with the Brewers and let go at the end of June. And of course, a Ranger guy for all these years, they bring him in, bring him to the minor leagues. They called him up with two days ago in the regular season, yeah. <laughs> right? He's in that bullpen. It's just wild to see. He warmed up. He hasn't been in the game yet. And then Grant Anderson, who hadn't pitched in the big leagues since August 30th. He wasn't active, but he was traveling with the team at the end of the year. And all of a sudden, boom, he's activated uh, in the postseason. We're like, oh, where'd that come from? Kid who had a really amazing debut, punched out seven of the nine hitters that he faced against the Tigers. And, I mean, that's ridiculous success. He couldn't repeat it and really started to run into some trouble. I think league started to pick up on kind of what he did, and he couldn't adjust accordingly. But just the idea that both of those guys are on the postseason roster, I think kind of feeds into the part where I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if they have enough pitching, but let's keep <laughs> our true. fingers crossed and hope these guys get it done. And you know, and the other thing is you don't know how people are going to respond. Like, you don't know. And this is this is one of the, the great things about the postseason or – you know, I've been in a lot of clubhouses, probably more visiting clubhouses than I've ever been in this year. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Phillies clubhouse the other day. Um, I was in Baltimore's clubhouse a few days before that. And you're trying to gauge, okay, what's the vibe? How are they going to handle it? How are they talking? Who do you have? All of that. And you, so you're making your best guess. So we could say, hey, Grayson Rodriguez, he's pitching pretty well. He's turned the corner. He's going to yeah. be a key guy. He's the guy that they're missing. Uh, and then all of a sudden game two happens. And so this is another part of it, right? Was how are certain guys going to react in this environment and that Baltimore environment, like those, I could tell you, like they were, that was a long time coming. They were ready to go. And and I'll give them a credit too. I mean, that crowd, they were down five, six runs late in the game and they're still going. Like yeah. they're, they're getting their money's worth no matter what. Cause you wait that long, you're mm-hmm. getting your money's worth, but yeah, and it, it could be their last home game of the year. Right. Right. That's the exactly. other part of it. Exactly. And so I don't know if you had that feel for the Rangers guys, because I do think, you know, you do have, I, I think it's a nice smattering of veterans yeah. and young guys. I, I love like the Phillies. I love the, the fact they have 30 somethings. Like mm-hmm. I, I love, I love, I love that confidence and security in all of that so yeah. you're around you're on the rangers obviously a lot more than me um so what what did you have that vibe going in do you think that there is that right mix obviously it's shown that it probably is because they've won four games in a row so yeah so i would say this first of all I, and it's interesting i feel like i haven't heard it as much but if you look at the orioles and the rangers they're similar stories in the sense that they haven't been in the postseason since 2016 there was at least one 100 loss season in there for the Rangers just two years ago, right? Yeah. It'd been pretty great. This is my seventh year calling Ranger games. They were sub 500 all six years, the first six years. They were never above 500 uh, since I've been there. So it was a real treat, obviously, calling the games this year. When it comes to the vibe, it's really fascinating to me also because there's this is more of a professional team. This is a little bit of a lunch pail team. There's not a lot of drama. They're one of the few that don't have a dugout home run celebration. Right. If you notice, like, the, not really, right? I didn't know. That. Yeah. They, yeah. They don't have a trident. They don't have the fishing net. They don't have the jack with all the countries on the back of it. Nobody's going in a cart, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And it's fun. And it's fine. I'm not against it by any means. There's just a little bit more of a professionalism. And I'm, again, not in a bad way. Not that the other teams are unprofessional. Uh, you know, people go nuts if you come across as the angry old man. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. It's just something about that kind of professional vibe that you get from the guys at the top, right? It's Corey Seeger and it's Marcus Simeon. And they're known as great clubhouse guys and great leaders. So they're going lead by example they'll talk to guys when they need to uh and and i don't i don't pretend to be inside that clubhouse all the time you know as a former player i've always been weird about like giving guys their space and i wish i was better at it 
I think mm. about guys like Eduardo Perez and Ryan Spielberg's. They're so great with like getting yeah. to know the guys. And I'm just like, oh, sorry to bother you. I have one quick question. I'll get out of here. Like, I'm just, you know, I don't know, something about it. I just, not that I, I didn't mind that guys linger because I like talking to the media when I played, but I just don't want to get in anybody's way. No, it's kind of yeah, the way you. I look at it. But so I don't want to over exaggerate when you say what kind of feel, but when you're watching it, and of course you get to know the personalities, you're on the plane, all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like this is a really, a kind of professional team. If, if that makes sense. Again, not that everybody else is is unprofessional, but I don't think they really ever doubted themselves. And then, of course, Bochy at the top, right? Well, when you get a guy like yeah. Bruce Bochy, is it's just there's consistency, and the conversation always goes back to how he takes any pressure that anybody might be feeling out of the room. I will tell you what has surprised me the most watching him every day is that there's more competitiveness and snapping in there than I realized because mm-hmm. he comes across as your gentle grandpa. Like you'd love to hear him read uh, you to bed or read your kids yeah, to, to bed. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, he's, he gets fiery and he is very convicted when he makes moves, when he makes pitching changes, like he, no doubt he's not, he never wavers, never waffles. He's got an idea. He doesn't like what he sees. Boom. He just goes. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been a treat to watch, but I would say that vibe there is they never got too high never got too low. Even when things were going bad, there's a real consistency to who they are, uh, at least that I could pick up on emotionally. I'm glad you brought up Bochi because, you know, I, I look back, CJ, as, you know, managing in, as you know, like managing over the course of a baseball season, it's about managing everything, right? Managing mm-hmm. personalities, managing the clubhouse, everything. But the postseason is the real spot where you can see a manager get on a roll. Terry Francona, 2016, right? I mean, I know they end up losing, but boy, yeah. he was on a heater. Alex Cora, 2018, he was on a heater. Like, you just get these guys who are, and I think what you're talking about, Bochi, lends itself to seeing that, which is being convicted, not getting in the world of a John Snyder, where oh, mm. I think it would take Berrios after three innings because oh. I, I think sort of that's the right thing to do. Yeah. But but being convicted and knowing what you want to do. Yeah. It's, you know? it's been fun to watch. And I will tell you this too. I mentioned the Grant Anderson story, right? When he came in, this kid made his ba- uh, major league debut and it kind of came out of nowhere to some degree, right? So you know, everybody, you've seen enough of these debuts and you've talked to enough guys afterwards, right? It's, I couldn't believe I was there. Couldn't feel my legs, right? All that kind of stuff. Boach yeah. puts guys right in the fire. He came in the game with a tying run on second base and he did the same thing to Bradford and these other guys. He's like, listen, there's no soft landings. We expect to be a championship caliber team. I'm not going to wait for the nice, easy spot to kind of try to get you in a game. I broke in with the Reds and Davey Johnson. I was a starter at the beginning of my career, and he gave me an inning of relief in a situation where the Reds had a really good lead uh, just to go ahead and let me get comfortable. Like, that, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a different time, and and that was a good team. That was a first-place team lost in the second round of the postseason. Barry Larkin was on that team. A lot of tons of good players on that team. Uh, they were absolutely trying to win, but they still looked for a soft landing to kind of let me make my major league debut. And I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I watch Boach and he's like, you're not here to, you know, for me, make your life easy. We're, we're here to play. We're here to get big guys out in big situations. And if you're coming out of my pen, I need to know right away from the very first day you're put on a big league uniform. Can I trust you in a big spot? Uh, it's a lot, but a lot of these guys responded to it pretty well. Yeah. And I have the vet- Mike Maddox of the, the pitching ghost probably goes a long way in that respect too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like we said, we try to guess how things are going to, pan out after the Tampa series I picked the Rangers for this series because I just think I thought their offense was on a heater um but for you and after these first two games what has surprised you what what's your takeaway from these first two games in Baltimore uh let's not be streaky again because that's the one thing that especially in September and I say we I don't say we mean the team but if you're a Ranger fan you're watching I'm not a wee guy uh, yeah. try not to be but thinking about the Rangers offense 
um, it, which just doesn't make any sense because they run so deep. But when they go cold, they all go cold. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you're going to run into a good pitcher that's probably going to shut them down, assuming that they advance at this point, which I obviously got to get there, but they got to win one of the next three, and they're in the championship series uh, in the American League. Uh, there's going to be a pitcher that's going to slow them down. And then the way that you... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bounce back. But there's something about the offense, as I mentioned earlier, and putting up big numbers. uh, And it's been good to see again, but it also covers and helps a little bit with some of those nervous feelings that you have when it comes to uh, the bullpen. Like today, Mm -hmm. you think about they were adding on late, right? Ended up those last three runs ended up being really important. (laughs) A little, you don't think you didn't think it was going to be, but they (laughs) ended up holding on. And so that's what it's like. It's a, it's a white knuckle ride with that uh, with that bullpen. So I would say the offense bouncing back as quickly as they did and just looking like the old offense after just a rough, rough series in Seattle has probably stuck out. I think getting back-to-back really good starts from Montgomery and from Avaldi uh, in the Tampa series was really big. We'll see Avaldi now here in game three after a day off on Monday and, and off they go on Tuesday in Arlington. Um, really curious to watch that one because it's very important, right? If they really want to advance him being the way he was in his last one uh, is, is going to matter because he hadn't been the first few leading up to that. Uh, but I would say the biggest surprise uh, so far, I think, is how big the offense has come up against Baltimore. I know Baltimore's young, but they're a fun team to watch. They, are. they have really good players. And the fact that these games have not felt competitive, I know it got a little dicey there at the end, but the fact that the Rangers felt like they've had control of this watching it, through two games, that part is probably the most surprising. Yeah, and it's it's this again. We we are talking about the Rangers, but with the Orioles, this was the guesswork too. Like, how are the Orioles going to handle this? They're a really good team. They play the game the right way across the board. Like I've seen a lot of the Orioles this year, but you just don't know. I mean, you they don't have they hardly have anybody with postseason experience. Very few yeah. guys and. And they were so jacked up. And also there's this conversation about the time off and all of it. But, hey, listen, whatever it is, the Rangers have landed here. And so, CJ, I just want to ask you this one thing is, is we were talking a little bit before about the construction of this team. Mm-hmm. And anytime something like ha- this happens, when you, John Daniels was let go, but I am, like, interested in, from your perspective about the construction – because – is you get to us this spot, you're going to have the construction of this team come from international signings, trades, free agents, everything. Um, and I was just looking it up. And obviously, there's a terrible run in the last few years to the Rangers. But in that time, there were like the moves that John made, that JD made. Like, like as I told you, everybody in game two, all the position players were under his watch. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, maybe it's just a case where, well, you need Chris Young to come in and and supplement here. Uh, Dayton Moore's in there now, and he's helping out. And so what's your perspective of how this team has been built? Yeah, so first of all, I think with John Daniels, and I don't, you know, it was 100% this was the way it was going to go down, but he was probably going to step away anyway uh, right before he got let go. Perhaps that offseason, not confirmed, but it felt like that could be headed in that direction because he really was kind of grooming Chris Young 
to take over, right? They brought him in, they brought him as a general manager. And of course, John Daniels, JD continued on as president, but really they were trying to hand this thing off to CY. Now they let JD go with a little bit of time left in last season. And perhaps that was to go ahead and throw Chris Young kind of, you know, in the deep end um, and see how we did. Cause they knew they wanted him to be the guy. It surprised everybody. Uh, you know, it was right after they fired Chris Woodward and then JD right behind him. Uh, he's done a really good job. I know there's like every general manager, every team president, you can certainly go through and say, okay, we missed here. And that one's unfortunate. But uh, for the most part, um, he's he had a really successful run. Not for the most part. He did have a very successful run. And now you look at this current uh, Rangers roster and you're right. That starting lineup today, all moves made and, and led by John Daniels and a couple like on the international signing side with Leody Tavares, you know, for most of the year batting ninth. And there's a reason why Marcus Simeon had as many RBIs as he had. I believe, I can't remember if he set the record, American League record, at least Ranger record or most RBIs from leadoff spot. Right. And of course, Simeon and Seager were guys that he brought in, but it's the other pieces that matter. Jonah Heim. I don't know if you remember that Jonah Heim trade. It was, it was Elvis Andrews went to Oakland and then it was Chris Davis. It was a, basically an exchange of money and they bought Jonah Heim and another pitcher that's in the minor leagues uh acker who's doing pretty well for two million dollars yeah like you would have paid that for, for him as a draft pick if you knew you were getting this right now right easily yeah. with the yeah. production like he's he's turned into a great catcher behind the plate and a really good switch hitter like he's up there and there's some really good catchers now that are doing it on both sides of the ball john daniels got in for essentially two million dollars mm-hmm. uh that is that's a huge get for them uh that has worked out really well they had a tough decision to make last spring training not this past one the one before keep jonah heim or keep jose trevino and they traded Trevino and eventually ends up with the Yankees and, you know, wins a platinum glove. And that was great. But I'll, you know, it's not a knock on Jose, yeah. uh, but Heim's the better player. You know, he's yeah. a better offensive player for sure. And so that was a, a big decision that JD had to make even after acquiring um, Jonah Heim because Jose Trevino was one of their original guys and he's a great defensive catcher. So they, he did a lot of things right. He deserves a lot of credit. I will tell you right now, regardless of how this thing ends, Chris Young will give him that credit. Mm-hmm. He understands it, of course, uh, all of it. But yeah, he he's done a really good job. Now, the only thing I would say regarding, you know, if the if the Red Sox are interested in JD, there is a very similar personality, I think, to Heim. And JD's very quiet, very laid back. He's never going to get too high, never going to get too low. Uh, but he's also not afraid to make the big moves because he's made them. You don't spend a half a billion dollars on two players uh, without not being scared um, to make the big move. I know it was kind of the knock there. You know, two trades on the flip side, as long as we're, and I love JD. And I was one of, probably one of the few broadcasters when I came over there, I interviewed with him and I knew him from when I played there. But I, who interviews with the general manager for yeah, a broadcast yeah, job? That you, yeah. That's how involved he is, and he's just such a great guy. And I will tell you, people will love the culture he creates. No matter what happens, I'm sure he'll end up somewhere. He's helping out Tampa Bay right now, but I think he'll lead another team again uh, soon. I can't say enough great things about him. I will say, since we're doing that, we'll make it all roses. Um, Corey Kluber for Class A. That one still hurts a little <laughs> bit. And uh, Nick Solak for Pete Fairbanks. It hurts more because the bullpen is what it is right yeah. now. And so I don't want to just be all everything's great no, no, with JD. I hear you. And you know what? <laughs> speaking, speaking of Chris Young, you know, somebody told me um, who is familiar with that situation. He's like, one of the things that's good about Chris is that he knows like, this was right around the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like from the player's perspective, especially when it comes to the pitchers, right? So yeah. he can he when he's talking about a pitcher, he's just not talking about spin rate. He's not he, he's talking about okay, this is what's important in the mentality of this picture and it hasn't all worked out obviously, mm-hmm. but, but I found that really interesting. Like, so obviously a yes. smart guy. Too. So it's a good point. And I will tell you this too, in this day and age, I was watching, did you watch the uh, Astros documentary on uh, PBS? I, by I, chance? I, I have not seen it. Okay. Yet. 
So the one one of the things that came up there was interesting and just kind of going back to when we got to a point where general managers and maybe front office people were looking at players as assets, right? You know, a lot of times there's one thing with Jeff Luna when he first kind of took over and other general managers when they would refer to a guy as the player. Yeah. Like that would wear me out. I hated it. As a former player, I hated hearing it. I hated hearing, oh, like this is oh, the player, this guy, the whole wins above replacement, like as if replacement levels easy. It's not like if you had a zero war for five years in the big leagues, you were a good player. We're yeah. a great player, but you were yeah. doing some things to hang in there and at least to be big league average. So that kind of you know dismissiveness a little bit to some degree that came across with that new generation, it's completely opposite here with Chris Young. He is all about these players and making sure that they want to be here, that their environment is great. He wants to make sure the travel is right, the hotels are right. They obviously have a tremendous facility at Globe Life Field, this ridiculous 40,000-square-foot clubhouse. It's the biggest and the best in baseball right now because it's the newest. And because he's coming from that player background, you're right. He understands those things and making trades and making sure guys are comfortable and knows what it's like to go through that. He knows success. He knows failure. I think all that is really important. And so uh, for him, and I will tell you, John Daniels was great too with players but there's something about having been there and done that, that it is priority number one that the players are put first. And not that it's not at other places, but I mean, to the nth degree with him, uh, they are going to be comfortable. They're going to get everything that they need so that they can go out and perform. All right. So finally, prediction for game three, they wrap it up. Would be nice because the less days the Rangers have to pitch or, or tap into that bullpen, the better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the good version of Nate Evaldi can get it done. You know, I'm, I'm so bad I should know this. I don't even know who's pitching for Baltimore. Um, I look. Oh, uh, I forget. Because John Me- it was supposed to be John Means. Right. And and that was a shocker to me. Like, that yeah. was one of the things where I'm like, because I had seen him pitch on his re- I, one of his last rehab assignments in Worcester. Uh-huh. Um, and then I saw him at the end of the year pitching the final series. I'm like, oh, this guy looks great. I mean, this guy yeah. looks great. And then next thing you know, that was a big hit for them, I think. Yeah. I haven't, and the research tool just says TBD, but not that they're always the best at it and uh, knowing. So I, I have to look at that. But either way, I would say the good version of Nate Evaldi, the way this team is feeling, um, the crowd, same thing. They haven't had a game since 2016. They haven't been in the postseason since 16. And it's going to be great. It's going to be electric. And uh, I'm bummed that I'm going to be watching it on TV. <laughs> well, 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 we'll catch up. We'll catch up yeah. soon, somewhere down the road. CJ, yeah. thanks so much, man. Of course, Rob, anytime, man. My pleasure. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.